This is The Scoop, a podcast from St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Brookhaven, Georgia. This is an exciting Scoop episode because it is the first of many in our new Parishioner Profile series. This episode features Man Martin, a St. Martin's parishioner, vestry member, children's ministry leader, well-known Georgia author, chicken keeper, and much more. Man joins The Scoop to reflect on his own faith journey and experiences, how we can continue following and serving the God of love, and what being Episcopalian means to him. We hope you enjoy this Scoop episode. Man, thank you so much for being here with me today. It is such a pleasure and privilege to have you sitting across from me. I see you on Sundays. You're part of the children's ministry. You're on the vestry. You're everywhere at St. Martin's. But it's so fun to get to talk to you kind of one-on-one. Well, thank you so much. This is just a treat to be invited to do this. I'm really looking forward to it. I could not think of a better person to kind of kickstart our parishioner profile series on um, The Scoop, which is St. Martin's podcast. So I thought we would just kind of dive in and um, I'm a filmmaker on the side and as a filmmaker, I love stories. So I thought I would just kind of ask you, who are you? What's your story? Anything you'd like to share about you, Man Martin? Uh, there's not a lot to tell. I'm a retired school teacher, and I live uh, in Brookhaven with my wife, Nancy. I've got uh, two daughters and just a passel of grandchildren. Yeah, they're all uh, cute. Got a, yes, like five grandkids. It's insane. Oh and uh, fortunately, you know, I'm very fortunate. They all live here in, uh, in you know, the greater Atlanta area, at least, even yeah. my other uh, oh, daughter and the granddaughter. And... Uh, have a garden and chickens and draw and that's write. Right. So that's it. You do have a garden and chickens, and sometimes you bring your chicken to our Blessing of the Animals it's service. Very, it's a treat. They enjoy coming to the Blessing of the Animals. Is it the same chicken each year? I, that's question. a good question. I probably should know my chickens better than I do. It's a chicken. It's a chicken. Okay, and how many chickens do you have? Now I've got seven chickens, wow. which is a lot. I always thought it was just wonderful to have chickens, and I always wanted chickens. Yeah. And so one day my wife said, if you want chickens, let's get you some chickens. You go get some chickens. Wow, yes. so do all of your chickens have names? They've all got the same name. They're chicky. chicky. They're all named chicken. Sorka. Sorka, okay. After Sorka Fairbank, who's my uh, my literary agent. Oh. And she asked if I would name a chicken and after, after her. her. Okay. And I said, if you think that's a compliment, yes, I'll name a chicken after you. Unfortunately, the chicken I named after her was... Uh, gotten by a predator shortly oh, thereafter. No. So then I just made a practice of naming all my oh, chickens Sorka. Sorka. So there's always okay. one named Sorka. So you heard it here. Man Martin has chickens named Sorka. Yep. And if you want to meet them, come to the Blessing of the Animal Service. Yes. So this is kind of a good segue because you mentioned literary agent. Yes. Um, you're an author. And it's so funny. I, I think I knew this in the back of my mind because Susan Hamilton came into the office one day and we ended up talking about you and she was like, oh yeah, did you know that like, man, Martin has written a ton of books and I have so many you can borrow. And I was like, wait a second, this person has been a children's ministry leader of mine for over a year and I did not know this. And then I found myself in a Barnes and Noble and I found your books on the bookshelf and I just thought that was the coolest thing. So would you mind sharing with us a little bit about where that kind of calling vocation came from? How you picked up writing? Uh, you know, I. I Having a word processor uh, made writing possible for me. Um, I had been a cartoonist for years. I had a rather heartbreaking disappointment, if you want to go into it, with my cartooning career. Oh, and no. turned to writing, and uh, so because good. I don't have to. If you if you're a newspaper cartoonist, as I was for about seven years, right? Um, 
it's like playing a piano, but you only get to hit one note. You hit the uh, same note every yeah. day, seven yeah. days a week, and you've got to meet a deadline. As a novelist, there's no deadline, and really I can explore anything I want yeah. to. So it's, it's, a, it's a broader range of keys yeah. you get to play. That is so cool. How do you find the inspiration for your novels? Because you have several published. I've, I've had three novels. I'm, believe it or not, the three-time winner of Georgia Author of the Year. Yeah, you are. That's amazing. Um, and uh, so, you know, you just some notion strikes you and you, you fiddle with it and toy with it and worry with it. And eventually, you know, God willing, eventually it turns into a, a narrative. Yeah. You discover what the narrative is. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, for film making, it takes anywhere from a couple months to a couple years to come up with a story that we want to bring to life. Is right. that a similar process for you? What does your process look it like? It is. It's very, my process is very trial and error. Every time I write a novel, it's like I have to learn over again how to do it. Uh, some of the listeners may be familiar with the old Robbie the Robot toy. You would just turn it on and it would go in a straight line and hit a wall <laughs> and cream off the wall and go in a slightly different direction. And that's very much my novel writing process. I just write until I hit a wall and say, that's not working. Let's try this and see what happens. Yeah. And eventually, uh, you know, a story begins to coalesce and I feel like, okay, the, the pieces are fitting together, yeah. but it's pure trial and error. Wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. Do you have a favorite, out of the novels you've written, do you have a favorite one or are all of them your favorite? They, they're all, they're like children. They're like little I know, children. I was going to say, they're probably your babies. They're, they're, all, they're all favorites in different ways. They really are. They do different things. I uh, don't write sequels. Uh, I think anybody who read my novels would say, yeah, this is the same author, but they're, they're different. They're, yeah. they're different sorts of stories. Yeah. Well, that's so cool that you have that versatility to be able to write all sorts of stories that come to your mind. And, and do you kind of get struck with inspiration at the most random times or I'm is it? always looking for a stray lumber. I'm yeah. always looking for a puzzle piece that fits yeah. in the story. That's amazing. Well, I love I love knowing now. I mean, I guess I learned a while ago that you were a storyteller because I think that's helped us partner together to bring to life, you know, Vacation Bible School and the filmmaking aspect and your storytelling abilities at this past summer's VBS. It's just such a gift to be able to have you lend your talents to storytelling and, and getting these kids excited about the stories of the Bible, but also just the stories in general. Do you have anything that you could potentially share with our Scoop listeners about any upcoming novels or ideas or things we can expect in the future from that? It's a long, it's going to be a long future. I keep thinking I'm closing in on it. I'm working on a novel now, uh, but I've been working on it for years. And I've got a character that I really love his backstory. He's had overwhelming personal tragedies in his life. Yeah. I know the story has got to be that he encounters another character and some way he helps or benefits this second character, who that other character is, what they need, what their story is, I'm still trying to discover. And I feel at the moment, I feel like I'm as far away as I've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. just just a few nights ago, as I, as I speak here today, I 
had a dream and realized, nope, the character I've been working with doesn't work. Let's try this one, see what happens. And uh, I'll share with you something and maybe this podcast will go on forever and I apologize because I'm long winded. My mother had a notion that, uh, that in heaven, there's a library of all the books. Wow. All the books, including the ones that haven't been written. And if you wanted to be an author, all you had to do was somehow gain access to the room of the books that haven't been written yet and take one down and just copy it word for word. And I feel like in a way that actually is what it is. I'm simply looking for the story that's already there. Uh, And hopefully that once I stumble across it and it'll be stumbling across it, that I'll recognize it and know what I've got. That's amazing. That's such a beautiful image, too. I think of so. Of all the stories that have been written and all the stories that haven't been written yes. yet. Yes. And you kind of finding that in a sort of mystical way. Or maybe it'll come to you in a dream. Maybe so. That's, or wow. just random chance I'll, yeah. I'll do it. Uh, my previous novel, I'd worked for years with Limongello Syndrome and just was getting nowhere with it. And then, again, it was around Thanksgiving. It suddenly struck me. I had a character who was pretending to be a detective, and I realized it's not the detective who's the fraud, it's the doctor. And then once I had that, I was just sat, wrote the novel almost, you know, in a, in a few months. I was able to write it very quickly because oh I suddenly gosh. understood what it was about. But I didn't understand until that moment. Right, and sometimes it takes that moment. It takes that moment, you just hope for it. And then you're off to the races. So I've been thinking you have Two, you have more than two granddaughters, but I've gotten to know um, Sydney and Reese yes. through Wonder Church, and they're wonderful. Have you ever thought about kind of dabbling into children's stories so that you could one day read these stories to your grandchildren? I, I've sort or? of thought about it. I don't have anything in mind, though, yeah. but yeah, it would be fun to do that. I though. feel like you'd be Maybe you and I could collaborate I, on it. That's what I'm thinking. I can't illustrate anything, but. You know, if you created the book, I could create a film adaptation. There you go. There you um, go. Yeah, I mean, because I thinking about you know children's ministry and what resources I use to teach these children. One of the best things that I really tap into are children's books written by right. some of my favorite authors. And right. I'm like, man, Martin would write wonderful <laughs> children's books. Um, you know, because how long have you been kind of a part of the children's ministries? In, in you know, years, I don't know, um, since yeah. before my grandchildren were born. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for a good while. Yeah. And is it fun to bring Sydney and Reese to Wonder Church? It is wonderful. It is so special. It is so special. Yeah. It really is. Well, I'm sure that's such a gift to have them be a part of your everyday. Definitely is. Everyday life and every Sunday life. Hang tight. When we come back, we're going to kind of dive into your story at St. Martin's okay. and kind of your involvement here. And, um, how you kind of join this church community. So stay tuned, we'll be right back. Man, welcome back to this scoop. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. It's wonderful to be here. This morning, I'm sure everyone listening to the Scoop podcast and beyond knows just how involved and committed you are at this church. As I said earlier, you're on the vestry, your children's ministry leader. You've helped me with Vacation Bible School. I'm sure you've done so much else. How did you kind of make your way to St. Martin's? Are you a cradle Episcopalian? How has your faith journey kind of led you to um, this place? I've had a long and torturous faith journey. I've I've been 
uh, I was part part of my childhood. We were Presbyterian, and yeah. then we became a, a Episcopalian. As a as a young adult, uh, I really drifted away from the church. I you know was an atheist or an agnostic yeah. for a good part of my life, and then latterly, I found myself back in church and come to discover how very important my faith is to me and been yeah. developing my faith. So, uh, and St. Martin's is now my home. I love that. I love to hear that because we love you and, and I love this place and it's my home too. What to you makes St. Martin's your home? Well, the corny answer is, is people. You know, Good people answer. like Molly, <laughs> but it's true, you know, uh, and I, I sort of don't want to name names because if I do, I'll leave people out. Uh, but you know, I don't know, the people at, you know, Stephen Ministry, like Susan Hamilton, you may have mentioned earlier, or, or Cheryl Ponder, uh, who, you know, just, you're just with them and they're just good people. And it's like, I would like to be a good person too. Right. Maybe if I hang out with these people, it'll hang out, you know, that'll sort of spread off on me. And, uh, the people at the Southern Center are just wonderful and it's very, it's special to be here. So yeah. that's, that's really it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely the people who make this place so special. And, and I'm getting to meet more and more now that we're slowly coming out of this COVID yes. moment where, you know, I once met people masked and only saw their faces like eyes up. Now I get to see their beautiful smiles and on Sunday mornings, just getting to be with everyone. And and, and, the, and the families at Wonder Church, to put in a plug for that, are just, it's so special. Yeah. It's so special. Yeah. And, the, and you know, I, I love to see you know, young parents with their young kids. Everybody's young compared to me now. So no, uh, but uh, you are young. It's at very heart. special. I'm young at heart. I'm young at heart. It's very special, though. It's very special. Yeah. Well, and and that reminds me, you were on kind of the children and youth revisioning team that dreamt up Wonder Church. This um, once new, now pretty regular and mm -hmm. steady um, children and youth and family kind of Eucharistic service. What has that been like for you to see this idea come from you know out of nowhere to execution i think it's been just incredibly powerful uh you know when we first did it there was just a handful of people and there was you know there's there's a certain anxiety is, is this going to take is are yeah. people going to like this and uh it's it's grown and it's a, it's a very vibrant service i think it's yeah. extremely special that the children and youth get to participate in the service and take an active role and not just be spectators sitting in pews. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I agree. I don't know if this is your favorite part of Wonder Church, but I love when everybody gets to gather around the altar yes. behind the communion rails. I, I think that actually is my favorite part. I think yeah. it is my favorite part. And I think Mother uh, Monica refers it to it as holy bedlam or holy chaos. Yeah. And it is, you know, <laughs> There's, there's a certain portion of insanity to it, but to me that is actually Christ-like. Uh, yeah. I, I, I do love it. I think it's very, very special. Yeah, I've definitely seen myself grow in my own kind of faith formation through being with these children who just have this constant curiosity and wonder about church and the different you know, items that are on the altar and the stained glass. Have you kind of found yourself being wrapped up in their own curiosity and energy on Sundays. I, and I noticed, you know, you mentioned the stained glass. I've had, you know, my own grandchildren and someone else yeah. was asking me yesterday about the pictures in the stained glass. And it makes me notice things that otherwise I wouldn't. Yeah. And so, you know, I was saying that this is what the story is or this is what this yeah. is 
representing so it's yeah. very nice oh well i'm glad you know we were on that team that oh yes birthed this amazing service and um and i look forward to seeing you know how the gospel storytelling station which you uh write and run and lead almost every week kind of continues to uh blossom and flourish and children you know maybe will one day get oscar <laughs> oscar nominated for their acting you know abilities and it all started at st martin's wonder church oh yes yes and kind of shifting gears just a little bit you were also a recently kind of elected member of the st martin's vestry and i kind of wanted to hear from you what that looks like and what a vestry member looks like because you know i grew up in the episcopal church so i heard the term vestry but I didn't quite realize just the extent that goes into being a vestry member and kind of leading this church alongside our rector. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about that experience thus far and, and maybe your hopes for St. Martin's in the future. So, you know, my, my role in the vestry, I, I try to be a good listener. I'm not in there pushing a particular agenda. The thing I would like to see for St. Martin's, and I've, I've thought about why I want to see this, I would like to see growth in St. Martin's and I'm seeing growth and it's very heartening and thinking about why I want to see growth. And frankly, part of it is, you know, vanity. I want to be part of a vibrant growing church. And part of it is I want the church to be healthy. But another portion of it really and truly is there's a lot of brokenness out there. There's people, I see yeah. them right and left. There's human wrecks. I, I hate to say it. it it's, it's a terrible, you know, but I see people whose lives are running afoul. They're in pain, they're suffering, and they don't even know why. And I truly think that the solution is you've got to follow the God of love. There's simply no other solution. And I think that yeah. St. Martin's offers that. I would like to see us bring that to more people. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, the God of love and following the God of love and being God's hands and feet in right. the world. and. And hopefully, you know, we'll be able to continue yes. doing that one one step at a time, one hand at a time. So you are involved in so many additional ministries at this church. And, and I just wonder if any of those have really helped you to continue following the God of love. They definitely do. With, you know, Stephen Ministry, I have a care receiver that I meet and I'm, I'm very fond of him. But truthfully, it it is something that that strengthens me. Um, the same thing for working with, with children. Uh, I volunteer at the Souther Center, and I think the, I've only just recently started doing that on Thursdays, and it's great. In, in addition, I wish I could be there on Saturdays, but my Saturdays are so full. But what I see is, in addition to the people that the Souther Center serves, is a wonderful opportunity it gives for service. And, you know, even the, even the children of St. Martin School get involved in right. it. And it's, it's just a wonderful thing. It's, it's just a beehive in there. Yeah. The answer to your question was, is yes. Many years ago, when I first joined, uh, Father Reamer was the, was the priest. And we took classes to sort of get reacquainted. And he said, the thing you have to do as Episcopalian, you have to pray, you have to give, and you have to work. And... You know, obviously, we're in the middle of a, uh, you know, stewardship campaign, so right. give. But working and being part of the church and being active in the ministries is part of your Christian life. And right. I won't say the most important part, but it's an indispensable part. Yeah. My last and kind of final question for you, 
this morning is what does Episcopalian mean to you? You know, we attend St. Martin's Episcopal Church and there's so many other denominations out there, but what does it look like to you to be an Episcopalian? Right. And I, you know, I never want to speak ill of another denomination or another faith because I really think all those modes of faith and all those modes of worship have something to teach and something to offer. I think what Episcopalianism has that's unique, and I, I don't know where I heard this somewhere, but you know, it's, it's, there's a, it's a three-legged stool. It's, it's scripture, that's right. it's tradition, and it's reason. And scripture, of course, is very important. I think it's easy for us to forget how shocking the gospels actually right. are like yeah. you need to be slapped with cold water once in a while just to remember Absolutely. this is this is actually a pretty this is pretty remarkable document here it, it begins to feel comfortable and i think at that point you're, you're in danger of losing the the message and the power of it and then in tradition my mother you know is the one who brought us into the episcopal church and it was very meaningful to her to kneel it was meaningful for her to kneel to God. It was meaningful to her to share a common cup. It was meaningful to her that when the priest laid hands on you, that the priest had been touched by the hands, mm -hmm. that had been touched by the hands, that had been touched by the hands, ultimately that had been touched by the hands of Peter, who had been touched by the hands of Christ. Absolutely. And that that tradition was tremendously powerful to her, yeah. and so it is to me too. Yeah. And then, of course, reason. I like the fact that to be an Episcopalian, I don't have to check my brain at the door. Yes. <laughs> so, Absolutely. you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm, not, again, I'm not disparaging other faiths, but my mind and my reason is part of my gift from God. I'm not going to sacrifice that. I like that I'm free to use that, and in fact, invited and urged to use that. Yeah. Well, we are so grateful that... How long have you been a parishioner here at St. Martin's? I That's did not ask you that. That's a good question, and, and I'm glad you asked questions. This is how we learn. Uh, <laughs> I think 20... Probably 22 years, I guess wow. 2001. Wow. So 22 years, That's probably amazing. your whole life, young lady. I was going to say my yeah, whole life. pretty much your life. Plus four. Um, I oh know because I just turned 26. Oh but, um, my gosh, yes. We are so blessed to have you and your wife and your grandchildren and family as part of this congregation. And thank you for just taking time to sit with me and share your stories and a bit about your faith more. I'm grateful for you and, and I look forward to all the things we'll get to do together in the future. Same here. Same here. Thank you so much for having me.